0: You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Evening people, how are you doing? Welcome. It's eight o'clock, just gone eight o'clock on a Tuesday night, which can only mean one thing. It's the Sports Therapy Association podcast recorded live. Um, so, if you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking, "Oh, wow, I could join live and ask the question, ask the uh, guest um, speaker some questions directly," then all you got to do is head along to the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel, and um, at eight o'clock on a Tuesday, that's GMT plus one, so UK time at the moment, and you can join us live for the recording. Also, this month, because we're doing nutrition, it's such an important topic for so many people, then this um, episode is also going out on the OneChat Live podcast. And um, so thank you for joining us from Runchet Live podcast. And also it's going out on Runchet Live Facebook page because um, that's my little creation as well. Um, but, yeah, this is a the Sports Therapy Association podcast. And already we have people coming into the room joining us live. It's a great way of um, mixing with other soft tissue therapists, especially if you're in the UK, because you're bound to have people coming in from your region of the UK. So you can network, ask questions. You don't have to be an STA member. You can um, come along and have a look about what the STA is all about. Um, and it's like we always say, it's free CPD. You know, we are bringing you, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, because I choose the guests with well, some help, obviously, from Big Gary. But um, we're bringing you information which we think will be useful to you. Um, and um, not only is it something you can use in your CPD folder, but also gives you an opportunity to investigate further with our guests websites and courses and all these sort of things so if you do decide to join us live um, I can bring your comments up on the screen so Becky Carroll is with us first through the gate as always how are you doing Becky thanks for joining us uh, Andy Glover is also here saying hello peeps and you can't see this obviously if you listen to the podcast but their names are appearing on the screen um, uh, along with your logo if you're trying to kind of get your uh, logo out there that's a great way for networking that sort of stuff we are going to do a focus on business soon. Um, I'm just going to guest together for that. So that'll be an interesting one if you're interested in how to get your logo out and branding and all that important part of the business, which often lacks when it comes to CBD. Uh, Catherine Reimer is here as well. Catherine Reimer says, hi, everyone. Sorry I missed last week. Forgiven, Catherine, you said sorry. That's the most important word. Thank you. Um, I completely forgot what day every day was last week. Mm, sounds like you. Maybe it's nutrition. Maybe you should diet, Catherine. Maybe you should have a word with tonight's guest, maybe about that, if your memory's going. I don't know. But anyway, you've caught up. Thanks, Catherine. Great. Thanks for coming along. So before we get into tonight's episode, um, I would like to thank, obviously, last week's guest, the one and only um matt fitzgerald um i've had comments already saying matt you really like this matt don't you and i do uh, and, and apologies if i came across as a little bit sycophantic and kind of like all over him um kind of a man bromance thing last week but he's just i mean it amazes me that runners don't know about him um and and therapists who work with runners i mean just look you can watch it on youtube okay and you'll get a better idea of what i'm talking about but i'm going to show the slides i had here the books he's written over the last let's have a little think Probably since 2000, so the last 22 years we're talking now, um, and I've been with him since 2006 or so with brain training for runners, which was amazing. And um, there's so many books out there, probably over 30 in total. Um, and if you do work with runners, or you're a runner yourself, or an endurance athlete, check out Matt Fitzgerald, fantastic sports nutritionist as well as amazing endurance runner. And um, so well worth checking him out and checking out the website 8020 um, um, Endurance. Um, for uh, a lot of free stuff and as well it's a great resource if you've got runners who do need some coaching tips and plans and that sort of stuff really good I've got a lot of um runners who work directly with that website and with Matt and his team and they're always satisfied so thanks Matt again for joining us I really appreciate your time Nutrition continues this week with a subject, which I think I remember being asked for ages ago. It might even have been Becky who asked for it, but somebody who was definitely talking, let's talk about food intolerances and allergies and food sensitivities and all this sort of thing. Really interesting. Not just for our clients, but also for our, us, ourselves. How many therapists do you know who kind of like have got symptoms of something going on? Uh, it could be overwork, could be stress, could be something to do with the diet all interrelated, so I'm sure we'll be touching on that tonight as well. I'm delighted um, to bring you um, one of the leading UK biochemists and scientific director at York Test Laboratories, Dr. Jill Hart. Um, if you haven't heard of York Tests, oh, then you should have heard of them, basically, because they've been around for at least 40 years, leading the way when it comes to food intolerance tests and food allergy tests. I'm really excited that the director, scientific director has come to give us her time. So, as always, if you've got questions... Throw them in. I've told um, Dr. Hart that she can shut me down straight away and uh, ask one of the questions to come up on the screen. So do feel free if you want to. And if you listen to the podcast, then it doesn't stop here. If you've got questions and feel free to either email me directly, Matt at uh, the sta.co.uk, or you can go to the YouTube channel and leave comments there. um, And there will be details at the end of how to contact York Test and Dr. Jill Hart directly as well. So I think that's everything done. I've missed anything out. Um so without further ado, let's bring up Dr. Jill Hart of York Test Laboratories. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back to soft tissue therapy. Dr. Hart, how are you?
1: Oh, very well, thank you. And thank you very much for inviting me this evening. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here uh, and great to be talking to you
0: you come heavily recommended um i've known about york test for a while but i've never had the pleasure of knowing your name um so it's, it's 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 an honor to have you along so i really appreciate it it's a great topic that so many people are excited by so i really appreciate your time
1: um, yeah it's a topic i'm really really passionate about so i'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you tonight
0: well i imagine are ah, because you've been with york test for how long are we talking now when did you join them beginning of 2000
1: In, somewhere yeah, 2005 i joined york test so it's been 17 years Sure it doesn't seem like it. um, no it's it's gone in a flash actually and uh you know it's been a great it's been a great time actually and, and still is within the company uh, and you know the main thing that that motivates me within the company is the fact that we we do make a difference to people's lives um through our you know our food intolerance testing also allergy testing and our other home health tests as well that we offer so you know that's that's what uh you know motivates me uh in hearing stories that you know i know that you'd mentioned uh, about gary's uh you know and uh mentioned to me as well about uh the experience of people getting better when they've changed the diet which is we have new.
0: yeah we have had we do know some people in common who literally has been a life changer just by mm-hmm. being connected to the right person, the right professional. And that's been, a. as we were talking about off air, anyone who's joined in our shows, that's been quite a common theme. And it's something I just want to reiterate again, because it's equally as important tonight. As massage therapists, people often wear the first port of call for someone who's in pain. Um, wherever the symptom is, they just think I need to lie down for an hour and just relax and, and a massage will help me feel better. Um, And this includes maybe um, kind of abdominal cramps and things like that and just a sense of disease, which could be to do with we'll see later on with food intolerance or an allergy of some form. So we've got quite a big responsibility if we ask the right questions in our subjective assessment of them. And we can direct them to people like yourselves the same way as we can work with female pelvic health specialists and male pelvic health specialists and rheumatologists. And and we've looked at sleep disorders. So many things we could help with as long as we're well linked within health professionals. So Mm -hmm. do you find that you do work with other practitioners? Do you find other practitioners sending people your way?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we work with many different types of practitioners, obviously nutritional therapists. But through, through all sorts of disciplines through to the medical profession as well uh, you know referring through to us and our services and we you know we support practitioners we we often don't need to but we can also support practitioners with nutritional um, support as well because we have a um you know um, band registered uh, nutritional therapists on board that, that work with us and help support our our customers and practitioners as well.
0: Fantastic. So for, for people who aren't aware of York test, I'm just saying mm-hmm. hello to Caroline Arnold. Thank you very much. Go to join us. And Glenn Murphy. Thanks for joining us. People are still coming in a little bit late, people. I have a little uh, excuse and a letter as why you're coming in at nine minutes past eight. But let me just bring up on the screen a little grab of the website I did. There we go. You can talk us through it, Dr. Hart. How how did you start with York test back in 2005?
1: Well, I mean, I, as, a, as you mentioned, I'm a biochemist. Um, I'm actually a PhD in in pituitary function. So female hormones is a you know, great interest to me as well, actually. Um, and my career has, has been through, uh, to start with, at the NA, in the NHS as a senior biochemist at Hammersmith Hospital. But then actually working with uh, companies developing hospital tests from scratch. So things like your hormone tests, infectious diseases, etc., so when I came across York Test in 2005, it was uh, a very exciting business for me because you could, you know, we were actually, we've got a fantastic laboratory, which I'm going to talk about later. Um, you know, right through to the, to the customer and practitioner that we support all in, all in one sort of building. And, uh, you know, for me, that was really exciting. And also what struck me really as somebody who's many years of developing tests was the quality of the work that was done and the the, the care. Uh, duty of care um, quality control and reproducibility and accuracy of the tests that we were producing and manufacturing ourselves we actually developed ourselves the you know york test developed the first food specific igg test which is what we're going to talk about today um, in 1998 so it was a spin out from you know york university scientists um, and you know that that test was very novel then test Tests such as those were, you know, early days of those sorts of tests. And we're really proud that we've been able to offer that food-specific IgG test that we manufacture ourselves in our accredited laboratory, um, you know, for 20, 24 years now. (laughs) So, yeah, we're really proud of that.
0: I think the fact that the company itself has been around for so long Mm. delivering the services and the fact you've been with that company since 2005 (laughs) is testimony to the company you know, yeah. ticking the boxes for you to stick around someone of your experience yes. than that. Well, what is yeah. the secret? I mean, we talked a little bit before. I mean, I've, I've been in the game for longer than I wish to admit. And for me, I've seen a lot of these food testing kind of almost like weekend courses come and go. I've worked in gyms and fitness areas, which have like a beauty salon, nothing against beauty salons, but the number of times I've seen suddenly a hairdresser having a great, you know, give me a hair from your head and I'll give you the results in 24 hours. There's a lot of that in this industry isn't now, unfortunately. Does that harm your ability to actually get the message through to people you can help or are you fine with that? It just allows you to stand out?
1: I think it's quite, it, it's a really good question. I think, you know, when I joined in 2005, there was a lot of Vega testing around, you know, you put your finger in a box in Holland and Barrett and, you know, get energy levels and, you know, get, you get a food intolerance printout and, and also talking about viruses and all sorts of other things I mean obviously that was a you know absolutely no basis in science at all um that's you know that's evolved now to hair testing and w- what we see now is that you know hair tests are available send a piece of hair in they get put into a into a bot some sort of machine which gives you energy levels uh again, no basis in science at all and I think that is damaging to the, to the industry because you know in the main there are you know credible companies like york test really providing an excellent service and and helping people on a day-to-day basis um and you know those those sorts of tests should not be available and you know shouldn't be shouldn't be allowed but it's you know it's what we have to live with really and so yeah you, you know when you're looking for a food intolerance test it is really important to to look at at a, a company that you know has got the heritage but also we we're really focused on the evidence base behind what we do and provision of evidence too
0: that's really healthy and it's great and i mean we see it in i we see it in all industries whenever there's some whenever such a large uh, amount of people have a problem with an issue then you're going to see so many quick fix solutions and things appearing so yeah. it's healthy think, for us to actually hear that it happens to other industries as well
1: i, th- I think you you know when you talk about people having, you know, symptoms. I think that's a really good point because, I mean, I was looking at our recent stats, you know, we, we, we gather a lot of information. We have quality management reviews twice a year where we review all our survey data and feedback and our stats. And, you know, I was looking at our recent stats just before I came on air. And, you know, for, for us, um, about over 80% of people that have come to us with symptoms have been suffering for more than a year and actually over 25% more than 10 years. So these are, you know, people have been suffering with symptoms like digestive problems. It might be low energy, low mood, you know, muscle, joint pains, um, skin problems, headaches, migraines, et cetera. Um, they've been suffering a long time and often they have sought help elsewhere. And, you know, they may have, have got some benefit, but, you know, they still feel that there's something going on for them and they don't know where to start. They They think, yeah. well where can I begin you know we know that you can start with by doing an elimination diet which um, you know which is the gold standard but if you if you have no knowledge at all about where you're going to start you you know you'll you know is it this or is it that it's virtually impossible to determine the exact combination of foods that you might be reacting to just by guessing uh, and trial and error Um, and so what we provide at York Test is a, a route map for, for an elimination diet, a starting point. So rather than starting with no knowledge at all, you can come in and say, well, actually, yeah, my IgG, my antibody IgG, and that's what we actually measure in the blood, um, food specific IgG antibodies. My IgG levels are raised. That's not usual. And therefore, if I, you know, choose to take those specific foods out of my diet that have got those antibodies, then, you know, that's giving me a starting point for my elimination diet.
0: Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, Yeah, we'll talk about the IgG tests Mm. in a second. First thing I've got to, I promised I would ask this question, because even, you know, I think it's a question that affects a lot of people. Um, Mm. The difference between an allergy and a food sensitivity, and the words which we kind of throw around, sometimes it's almost we feel it's synonymous, but in your line of business, there's quite a big difference between the two, and it's important to establish what's going on.
1: It really is. Um, I mean, food food allergies um, involve, obviously, your immediate reaction, potentially life threatening. It tends to be to things like your peanuts, your milk, eggs, shellfish that, you know, um, it involves an antibody type IgE. So that's different to the food intolerance antibody that we measure the IgG. We do offer food allergy testing as well, though. Um, So food allergies are, um, you know, tend to develop in childhood. Once you've got them into adulthood, they tend to be for life. Food intolerances are very different. And actually the word food intolerance covers an awful lot of different types of tests. So some people think of maybe lactose intolerance, maybe chemical sensitivities, things like reactions to, you know, caffeine or sulfites, things like that. Um, They might think about um, celiac disease. Obviously, an autoimmune condition reacting to gluten. Um, they might think about FODMAPs, you know, the uh, fermentable small chain carbohydrates that can cause reactions. All of these are different types of food intolerances. But um, these aren't aren't things that have all got tests for. You can't test for, you know, caffeine reactions, et cetera, sulfate reactions. But um, so what we do is actually look at the IgG reactions for food intolerance. Um, and that's the, the sort of food intolerance that we look at at York test.
0: So how we, we recently we had a month devoted to sleep and without kind of causing people to catastrophize and kind of worry about mm-hmm. things for too long. We, 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 we were talking about how high the prevalence of sleep disorders are and people putting up with yes. feeling tired throughout the day because they are waking up more than three times a night because they are getting yeah. sometimes just even less than seven hours sleep can make a big difference. So, What's the prevalence like for for food intolerances? Is is it something which people don't realise how many
1: people suffer from it? The the prevalence worldwide of food intolerance and food-related reactions is is like about 100 million. I mean, it's just huge. But actually, if you look at, I mean, the best stats were from Allergy UK uh, some time ago, and they they estimated that 45% of People actually suffer from some sort of food intolerance reaction, and I think that that's probably a, a good estimate. I mean, there aren't very good stats on on this, but I think that would, you know, that's it's about right. I think, and we all know of people, uh, you know, that do react to foods and prefer not to eat foods. I mean, it may be that they disagree with them in some way, um, and it's not always that obvious. So a lot of people um, feel think that being tired is normal where it, it you know and it becomes normalized for them they might feel tired or achy or have a gut problem but they think that's just the way they are and the way they're made but underneath it uh, and quite often we find people that come to york to see with a, a digestive problem say bloating or ibs and and change the diet and it resolves that bloating and ibs but also their energy levels are you know are, are improved or they've got a lighter mood or you know, the skin clears up and things like that. So it's it covers a whole sort of gamut of uh, different symptoms.
0: Very interesting. I've got um, a few questions coming here from people who've joined us. Catherine will read it out for people listening to the podcast. Catherine rhymes says, "I've a York test still to do to see if I have any intolerances, but also hopefully to help with my arthritis. I've been told high protein diet can help along with exercise. Mm.
1: Well, um, yeah, and um, and." Um, I'm not a nutritional therapist, so I can't really advise very well on on the the diet side. But what I would say is that um, if you think about the IgG reactions, um, the food-specific IgG antibody that we we measure, that has got pro-inflammatory properties. So if you look at the way that it then goes on to act within the immune system, particularly there's four types of IgG, one, two, three, four, and particularly one and three are, we measure all four types of york tests again and that's a really important thing um but igg's one and three are, are pro-inflammatory and there have been links with raised um igg antibodies and arthritis symptoms so um people with joint pains and and muscle pains can you know have reported back to us that they have felt felt better um and again i was looking at some of our stats before i came on air and about um probably about 15 to 20 percent of people that come to york tests are have suffered with muscle and joint type pains um out of our stats so it is you know it's something that people do come to us for help with
0: very interesting great question thanks catherine for sharing i hope you Thank get you. some results with it you, um we'll have to do a follow-up then if it's yeah. successful we'll have to do a follow-up uh, that would be yeah. great to hear how it goes on catherine yeah. um caroline arnold has also said um i've done my tests um uh, with york being up on the screen um caroline arnold says i've done my test with york labs recently um a bit more secretive caroline with that that's fair enough you can elaborate yeah. if you want to <laughs> but you don't have to obviously um but okay. yeah so it's great um obviously i mean it is a very um um a company with a great reputation which is great you mentioned then and i didn't want you to let, let you go away with it because it was interesting yeah. how you said we do test f- for the iggs which yeah. is important is that kind of suggesting that other cheaper variants on the market any test for one or two of them or
1: yeah, there important? are offerings that are just offered for igg4 and actually igg4 is the one one subtype it's very low percentage in the blood anyway it's only a few, few percent but it's um it actually is it can be more protective you to think about raising igg antibodies to protect the body the igg4 one is particularly protective whereas some of the other subtypes are more pro-inflammatory and that's why it's really important to to measure all four subtypes the other advantages with with igg antibodies is that they're very stable so we actually use a blood collection system that um, is very easy to use and I, I think there is a slide on that if we wanted to show it now we can show it later we could bring out the slides but, yeah. but we we actually collect the blood onto a little little wand um, which is really easy it's like a little stick um, and it just it just that draws up that's that's the picture there, it just draws up mm-hmm. a few drops of blood onto the the little wand. And um that the, the blood on that on that is really, really stable. So when you actually put it back into the little vial and, and send it off to our laboratory, um we've got a a stability of up to thirty days because IgG is, is very stable in that, that situation, which means that when we get the blood in our laboratory, um, you know, we can we can process it. And, um, you know, measure it using our our manufactured tests and in quality control. So, yeah, we've got we're really proud of our lab. We've got a we've got a a great guy, Rob Wilson, our lab director, who's got 25 years experience in the NHS. He's an HGPC registered biomedical scientist. And we've got a great lab team at York Test. Um, We've also got accreditation to um, ISO, International ISO Standard 13485 and medical devices, which means we're audited annually by um, SGS to represent the, you know, um, the MHRA, and they they come in once a year to check that what we're doing is all all uh, all on track, which it is. Um, so, you know, we're really proud of our, our laboratory and uh, our accreditation as well.
0: It's great to hear, um, and involved a lot in research as well.
1: Yeah, we have over the years. Um, you know, York tests have, um, you know, we... we we involved really early on actually in, um, in the early 2000s with, uh, the very first, um, randomized control trial in IBS. So we used the York test. Um, and it, you know, it was run by the University of South Manchester with Professor Warwell, uh, heading out up and it was published in the BMJ gut. So it was a really high class study and we actually showed for the very first time that um, those uh, taking a true York test diet compared with the sham diet actually had a significant improvement in their IBS. Now, since that was published in 2004, I think it was, there have been lots more studies in IBS that have been published, uh, randomised control trials and other trials, um, and also in, in inflammatory bowel disease, things like um, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, that shows that an IVG-guided elimination diet uh, is is effective you know and significantly effective in in trials so um similarly in migraines um uh, you know other studies as well there's been quite a lot of work on in low mood um depression and and um you know other, other conditions too now so it's a really interesting time actually because we've <laughs> I feel like we developed this in 1998 and in the early days, you know, the science was there, but we were sort of helping forge that science. And now I feel like the science has caught up or is catching up and there is so much more in the literature now, um, you know, to, to, to evidence base what York tests are doing. And it was a particularly interesting, um, uh, article that was published recently that she actually compared a, uh, a gastro- urologist um, pr- uh, proposed diet versus a f- low fodmap diet which is the fermentable uh, low chain polysaccharides versus an igg diet uh based diet which is obviously what york tests offer and the igg diet came out on top uh, for people with ibs so i mean again that is inc- encouraging proof of what we actually see every day and we hear every day back from our customers
0: Fantastic. Well, look, funny you should say that because Caroline Arnold now has now become your biggest fan. Totally opened up with what's going on. Um, Thanks for that, Caroline. So um, uh, done your tests. So let's bring this up. Caroline Arnold says, "My test showed I'm allergic to wheat and intolerance to cow's milk and egg yolk." Exclamation mark. Um, Quite common those ones, aren't they? Well, not everybody, but I mean, if anything's going to show up, I believe that. um, Yeah, the wheat is often there, isn't it? Is it something has being someone who's followed this along the years is the quality of food is a relationship between our diet and the quality of the food we're consuming related to an increase in tolerances or is it on the rise do you think and is it causation correlation or what
1: i do think it's on the rise and i think it's related to a lot of different things i think um particularly the quality of food you know people are eating a lot more processed food and with a lot of different additives and if we think about the, the gut, gut membrane is very fragile, you know, 30, 70% of your immune system is in, in your gut. Your gut microbiology is really important to keeping that immune system active and, and on top of things. And um, eating, you know, processed foods, um, uh, additives, things that aren't, aren't really supposed to be eaten almost. And obviously, the, the, you know, things like environmental factors as well, pollution. Mm-hmm. um like that can affect the gut as well so i do think that that is um i think the sort of the western diet things like alcohol and you know really can exacerbate um um gut permeability and gut permeability when you've got like a leaky gut it can allow larger food particles through into the bloodstream and you're more likely then to say actually there's a you know this doesn't look right and the immune system is activated particularly when you've got a um, a compromised gut microbiology alongside it I was really interested actually to you know reading about um, a lot of athletes I mean 30 to 50 percent of athletes I, you know I was reading you know suffer from gut problems and a, a lot of high intensity training can um, can actually impact the gut and and actually um cause more permeability so i think you know from a from a performance point of view and sports performance point of view actually protecting that you know that area if you're talking about you know wanting to get peak performance your best energy levels you know you know the best gut function etc then that's something to consider too Mm.
0: yeah very interesting and matt fitzgerald last week who's who's done a lot of studies Travelling around countries, any excuse to travel for Matt, but um, spending time with elites from different countries to try and work out if there is such a thing as the perfect optimum diet. And obviously there's not because he saw amongst elites, there's variance. He came out with a great comment saying if there was uh, one perfect scientific based diet for endurance, then it certainly wouldn't be culturally based because people in Japan obviously excel in some sports and in Kenya, mm-hmm. and others. So it's, so the variety was there. And he was basically saying, what you're saying is, is the amount of processed foods that sadly people eat. eat a bit of everything. That's great. Don't deny yourself of anything. A lot of diets are based on don't eat this, don't do this, don't do that. And he was mm-hmm. much more from do whatever you like, but just follow these five principles of variety. And it's tricky, isn't it? Our lives are very much not like that. Um, we're often told yeah. not to do it. Thing and yeah,
1: yeah I'm, so I'm maybe fascinated. yeah I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by the, the gut microbiology and, and you know certainly there's been some really I and mean, there's a really interesting paper just come out um oh, i can't remember the name oh cat uh cataldi Katal- et al and um, just just come out and actually it looks at um physical exercise and the impact that has so on the gut microbiology so the different types of bacteria that are present in your gut so there's like different sort of strains of bacteria that are prevalent that obviously have different functions from people like ultra marathon runners versus rowers but you know and so you know this is going to be a huge area you know in future i think because you know people can actually start to really understand what's going on in terms of the gut microbiology I was, I was interested that you you picked up you know when we are talking about caroline's results you know yeah. to you know she's reacting to uh you know cow's milk and wheat and things like that yeah. i think um you know she's um and you you said oh that's you know the sort of that's quite common i wow. think it, it is and it isn't i think you know you people will be surprised about the sort of we call it a fingerprint of you know reactions that people react to because often it's the things you don't think you know you think you're eating healthily you know it might be the protein in carrots you're reacting to or or it might be lentils or soy or you know other things that you might not always consider and obviously people if you you know eat a lot of wheat you've got i guess a higher probability of reacting to it but it isn't always the key ones that are causing the problems and you know it's that's why it's i think really important to do a test and find out your particular you know Pattern of reactions because it's uh, it can be quite a surprise sometimes we get quite a lot of people reacting to yeast and they think oh you know that's uh, that's a surprise I wouldn't have thought that you know i a problem with bread and is, is it the yeast is it the wheat or is it something else in there that's that's causing the problem that's
0: really interesting and that might be a product of the fact that a lot of the people who have had tests maybe cheaper less accurate tests the results do come up with these time and time again as opposed to doing a more in-depth test and coming up yeah. with something a little bit more obscure because yeah. most mm. of the people you do meet oh yeah, had a food intolerance test oh yeah apparently i'm allergic to wheat i mean i hear that from anyone who's had a food intolerance test they seem to be singing yeah. about that or gluten intolerance yeah. or something but you rarely hear people vary. so maybe it's, yeah. it
1: does vary a lot i mean i i had my first test obviously when i joined york test and i've been doing every year since um you know and react i've never reacted to wheat or gluten but um i'd react very strongly to cow's milk and i do every year i mean i cut out cow's milk with the majority of the time but i still have a little bit of it and um you know i still have that as a consistent but you know my other ones are a small amount of egg yolk sorry egg white um and then um often like flaxseed linseed um will come up as well so and and if i have more soil, then soil will come up too so it and that's just a you know that's just a few it's about five things and uh, you know and that's as i say on average people with positive reactions tend to come up with that sort of number i'm just reading caroline's response actually because she said she's five Gosh. weeks into her diet and i found big changes with my ibs energy mood and hoping my migraines will ease definitely headache easing isn't that fantastic and Thank you so much for that feedback, Caroline. Um, you know, it's something that, as I say, we we get feedback about every day uh, at York Test. We we are really proud of our evidence base and our and our, uh, you know. And thank you, Caroline, for that recommendation. Um, you know, we 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 do capture feedback every year, and uh, we we originally published back in 2007. Uh, we had a study that was um, carried out by York University. That looked at five thousand two hundred eighty-six people that had taken the York test at the time. We we um, detected one hundred and thirteen different reactions there. We've, we extended our panels since that and up to over two hundred. But um, and you know, seventy-six percent of people that took the test reported back that they felt benefit. Um, and of those that adhered to the diet rigorously, sixty-eight percent found the benefit within th- three weeks. Now that I use that as my bench, we publish that. That's all published. I think we've got some of the data actually on a slide. If you wanted to show it, but I, you know I've already gone. You know i kind of described it anyway. Um, so um, if you could use through the slides, the next one, um, I think that one, yeah. So yeah. that that's, that yeah, there's th- those two. That's right. So that one's that one's the um, the study that we published yeah, with the University of York as. Um, Hardman-Heart in in uh, 2007. So you can see that overall 76% of people reported um, a feeling of benefit. Um, it is uh, a survey, you know, it's not a randomized control trial, but I think this reflects what we're seeing genuinely, generally. generally. Um, mm. And you can see that musculoskeletal, joint pain, rheumatism, arthritis, you know, is about 64% of people up to, you know, gastrointestinal Uh, And interestingly, there's sort of the the anxiety, low mood um, as well that people benefit from. Now, the next slide actually um, shows that, you know, this is just a starting point for us. Every year we survey um, and, you know, I've I've captured some of those here, 2015 up to 2021 here. And, you know, it's a few hundred each year. In 2021, we captured 565. Um, people fed back to us that 81% of them, uh, reported a benefit from taking the test and changing the diet. And often that's with nutritional therapist support, um, as needed, because we do provide that too, if, if that's needed. Um, and you know, we're, we're really proud and that, you know, those are my benchmarks for me. Every, obviously we analyse this data twice a year and every, you know, I always look to see that we're, you know, we're carrying on the consistency because that is my ultimate test of our that our test is working that we you know we've got our quality controls in place in our laboratory we do reproducibility testing weekly in our laboratory to show that we have greater than 98 percent reproducibility from two samples collected at the same time um and that's sort of that for me you know shows that um you know we're we're on track as a company still <laughs> uh, and really, I like it sounds for- very good It really explains the, you know, the longevity that we have had as a company too, you know, that we continue to to help people like Caroline.
0: Mm, Definitely. What the words you're saying will ring bells with anybody who's been doing because we've we've had quite a (laughs) few people and guests who offer therapist ways to look at studies and research and look at the quality of research and decipher what could just be a self-promoting thing and something which actually is looking at reproducibility and things and reliability and all that so hopefully with some of you listening um these words will uh, ring true let's go to if i can um the audience so so we've established that as long as we get these people to you essentially mm-hmm. then we can change lives which is great what is let's look at some of the symptoms maybe and in doing so the diff- look at the different types of food intolerances out there imagine therapists it could be anything from a sports massage therapist or it could be um, a sports therapist maybe somebody who's seeing just an occupational um, issue all the way up to an elite athlete what are some of the symptoms that should in theory be ringing bells um when we do question or examine people um and and make us start thinking you know we should give you a card and refer
1: you out to york test yeah i think i mean the first thing i'd say is that you know if people are having regular symptoms they should always be followed up by their doctor anyway you know Mm on the gp and often the people that come to us as i mentioned you know greater than 80 percent of people have been still 90 percent of people have been suffering over a year you know, we'd always encourage people to go to the doctor anyway and get checked out. And it's often, it's it's, it's often ongoing chronic symptoms, things like, you know, your IBS, your bloating, um, your migraines and skin rashes and things that you, you know, you've been to the doctor, you've been checked out make sure there's nothing serious going on. Or, you know, you've had some professional support with that and you still feel like there's something going on for you. So I think particularly gut, gut, Problems. It may be um, diarrhoea, constipation, stomach cramps.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. It may
1: be general aches and pains, or low energy, or not not feeling that you're at your best. It may be um, weight distribution. You know, maybe sometimes feeling that you can't lose weight or you can't gain weight. Indeed, in some in some cases, Um, and also things like um, respiratory problems, sort of maybe runny nose or glue ear um uh, had sort of children with glue ear things like that with tummy pains as well um and things like sort of migraines and headaches so those tend to be the sort of symptoms where people come to your test and you know they've already been checked out but they're still ongoing for them and they just can't seem to work out what's going on can and
0: is that suggesting that and obviously we can't all gps with the same brush and there's always problems of lack of time and all these sort of things but we've seen with other issues for example hypermobility and a lot with female perfect health and maybe things can be missed by the gps is that potential as well with with
1: food intolerance i think i think the i think with nutrition um you know there there isn't really um i think that you know there is clearly dietetic support from from the nhs but there tends to be more medical, you know, medically meant to meet a medical need. Whereas I think general nutrition and, um, you know, things like food intolerances aren't things that, you know, the food specific IgG test sadly isn't available on the NHS. Um, and I think if you go to sort of IBS type symptoms, there are, there are limited resources available to support people with IBS. So, you know, yeah. there are some very good clinics and Professor Warwell's clinic in South Manchester is excellent, but there are more limited routes that that can be explored. Um, and so sadly people once once something, you know, it's something serious anything serious has been ruled out, they tend to say, well it's nothing serious, nothing to worry about, just sort of carry yeah. on with your life. And I think that's where People still want to explore clearly what's going on for them, and and a lot of a lot of people with IBS, it's you know they can't actually go out because they have to be near a toilet, they have to be near facilities. It impacts the social life. It's similarly with as you know migraines and you know um, skin skin problems, etc. And and you know that's that's where uh, a lot of people still sit even after support. So. You know, that's that's where people often come to
0: us And what about with you mentioned like your interest in gut bacteria let's imagine we have got a high performing athlete who's coming to us mm. um what are some of the are they going to be presumably if they're still competing then then they haven't got persistent diarrhea or something because so they just wouldn't be able to compete but mm. what are some of the symptoms that maybe a high performing athlete might have which might ring some alarm bells for you
1: well i, I do think the bloating um and abdominal cramps and things like that i think i think um and and, and they can and still suffer from diarrhea as well and, and that and constipation and, and those sort of digestive problems but i think low energy i think energy levels are particularly important okay. as well and although the guts involved obviously the the gut microbiologist there there, um you know sort of working with you within your gut to to help protect the gut um although the igg antibodies are are formed in the bloodstream because of a you know maybe a leaky gut or because um the immune system's compromised those igg antibodies can go on and form complexes that can sort of impact inflammation all over the body and that's why they come out in different ways you know causing different symptoms and can be associated with different symptoms
0: okay great stuff so yeah so what i've gathered from that was particularly and it's very similar. as parallels with other topics we've looked at. If they've been to see a GP and then kind of just got the impression they just have to put up with it. Um, and it's one of those things where you don't have to be putting up with this. It's just you haven't seen the right person, maybe. Great advice.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I think, too, that, um, you know, people often live with things, as I said earlier, that, that are normal for them. And actually, it's not until you change your diet and that you can actually see that, you, you know you have got that potential to have that extra energy or that extra bit of quality of life too and again that's people this isn't you know me saying it it's this is what the feedback we get from people that come to your test
0: <clears throat> okay question if i may from phil griffiths thanks for joining us tonight phil phil asks where do you stand regarding pre and probiotics? they seem to be everywhere and have huge claims regarding gut health good question
1: Yeah, it's a great question I think that um, you're absolutely right. They do seem to be everywhere and there are big claims regarding gut health. I think that our nutritional therapists at York Test certainly use probiotics um, when we're talking about, uh, you know, gut healing, if you like, because if you come to York Test, um, take a test and you eliminate your foods from your diet, you tend to do that for about three months. Um, and often if you've got a longer list of foods, we'll prioritize. We've got a, a, um, a results, um, which we can show you that, you know, we've got a, a scale of naught to 100 for each of the foods and you can see which are, uh, need to be prioritized. And once uh, with alongside that elimination, um, a nutritional therapist will usually start talking about gut healing. So it might be digestive enzymes are needed or probiotics to re-inoculate the gut. And with all that working together, then after three months, you can you can start to sometimes reintroduce foods back into into your diet. So food intolerances, you know, tend to be delayed, and um, you know, so an allergy is an immediate reaction, but a food intolerance tends to be delayed. So what you eat, or maybe on a Saturday, you might get a, re- a reaction to, maybe on a Tuesday or something like that. So people quite often don't pick up that they've got reactions. And the other thing about food intolerance is that they're not necessarily for life. So when we're talking about, you know, probiotics and gut healing, after three months you can start to reintroduce foods back into your diet one by one and just see whether they are still impactful for you. And some people can tolerate a little bit of something. I mean, I have cow's milk, for example, in Tea and coffee, but I wouldn't have cheesecake or ice cream or cheese because I know that would impact me if I had to over a period of time. So, you know, um, I think there is a role for pre and probiotics. I think that they uh, are, there is varying qualities available and I think choose wisely. And if, and if, if you can talk to a nutritional therapist about, you know, what they would advise rather than just picking some off the shelf because there are a huge range. Of different
0: types great answer good question as well phil come back phil if you want to follow up on that that's a really good question definitely a topic that people should know about um got some more going down here let's have a look affinity body works affinity body works that's Mm -hmm. it's It's a gamble nicola or sarah can't remember damn it you have to tell me sorry affinity body works you will not mind me um affinity body Works says i had a york test around 10 years ago it was somewhat accurate And a starting point, low FODMAP was a better option eventually, and now I'm trying out the Nerva app. Okay.
1: I I don't know what the Nerva app is. Um, The low FODMAP, yes. I mean, low FODMAP is often used in conjunction with the IgG-based diet alongside it, and so that nutritional therapists will often talk about reducing so low low fodmap fogback foods are fermentable short chain um carbohydrates uh, polysaccharides uh, oligosaccharides mono disaccharides and polyols so they um get can get through into the lower part of your intestine uh uh your colon and they can start to ferment and they can cause a lot of bloating and pain and problems so often similar symptoms to those caused by you know the you or relieved by the IgG elimination diet so some people use them alongside each other and they both can be beneficial in different ways although I did mention the study earlier that um you know in IBS diarrhea it was found that the IgG diet was was better than the FODBAP, low fat diet so I think everybody you know is different and I think you know you're talking about your speaker from last week which absolutely says that we see that too Everybody's pattern of food reactivities that have positive reactions is, is different and unique to them. And for some people, a low FODMAP diet is, is a better option or a, an option that is often used alongside.
0: Fantastic. Um, Becky Carroll. Watch out now. Becky's got great questions always under that hat. Becky <laughs> Carol. What are the beliefs behind what causes intolerances? Are they mainly hereditary? Are you seeing more intolerances today than when you started with York? We kind of covered the intolerances getting kind of more prevalent these days, but that's interesting. Yeah, what are there? What are the beliefs behind what causes them in the first place? Is there a genetic? Link? I, I,
1: I'm sure. I'm sure. that – I mean, I, I. don't think it's been proven, but I, I'm sure there there will be some genetic links with with food intolerances. I mean, there certainly are in terms of uh, you know some some reactions, but you, you, you might you know certainly in our family cow's milk is is something that my son struggles with uh you know my husband struggles with i struggle with um but so i i think you know in terms of what causes intolerances we've already talked about you know the processed food elements of that and i think in general uh, more intolerances are being seen today whether that's because people are more aware um and they're talking about it and because there are solutions like york tests that are on offer um, I don't know, but I, I do I do believe that there are more intolerances today than uh, than when we started back in in uh, to, when I started back with your test in you know 2005 um, and, and certainly we' you know we're seeing um, people you know struggling with a lack of support for their symptoms.
0: Great question. Thanks, Becky. I think I came back. that was actually asked at 8.27, so I've gone back a bit in time. Sarah, sorry, Sarah. I don't know where I got Nicola from, Sarah, but Sarah has come back from Affinity Body Works, soft tissue therapist. Um, is leaky gut proven or a theory? Lots of medical professionals don't entertain it as a condition.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's whether it, I mean, leaky gut exists and in, in the impact of intestinal permeability is absolutely clear. Um, and it is something that is talked about widely in the literature. Whether and and it's not just about IgG testing; it's about in general. I mean, I, I talked earlier about you know the the um, the recent article about the the impact on um, you know uh, exercise and um, gut microbiology, and that talks widely in that article. And that was this systematic review of many different studies, and that talked widely about intestinal permeability. So I think that. There is, you know, and there are tests that you can carry out to show that, you know, a gut is, is more leaky or not. So um, I think, again, if you talk to nutritional therapists, um, again, they, they will, you know, focus on gut healing and probiotics. And and it's, it's it, it, I guess it's imp- it's difficult to imagine. It's not like, you know, the gut has been, lining has been punctured with holes. It's just that the, the gap junctions between the cells are, are more permeable because they're, they're less protected. The is, you know, maybe compromised. Your microbiology isn't optimized and therefore, you know, the flow of nutrients from your, you know, your gut into your bloodstream and, and the, the flow of, um, products from your gut microbiology in, in and out of your, from your gut and your bloodstream is, is compromised. And that, that's what I understand as, as leaky gut. And that, that is, is is real for a lot of a lot of people there's, that's a helpful answer.
0: Yeah. It's, there's a problem today because again i mean i sound like a bit of an old geezer just whingy and grumpy old man but it, the yeah. people are very quick to dismiss things these days aren't they it's either black or white it's yeah. yes or no you okay. know it's tricky it's fashionable to put stuff down mm-hmm. without just looking or maybe it depends on what we mean by you know gut, leaky gut mm-hmm. you know which is what you've just done you know let first of all let's kind of define it and mm-hmm. then argue whether it's kind of a thing or not so
1: anyway i hope absolutely. that helps
0: sarah and i apologize for getting your name on yeah
1: and, and i think is it was it sarah that's just put put down there saying leaky gut was completely dismissed by my consultants so i was treated for it by a medical herbalist and made a world of difference i was fobbed off
0: yes there
1: we go. and you know that absolutely um rings rings very true and I'm really pleased that you've you've been able to be supported with that with that. Um, mm. I, th- I think you know you're absolutely right. The um you know things things like that are are quite often dismissed. Um you know and, and it's and they aren't black and white. I mean when you think about uh the immune system is incredibly complex. And you know when you're talking about an IgG antibody it's not just one antibody, it's four. You know, they've all got different functions. They've all got different aspects. You've got, you know, their impact with complement. You've got, uh, you know, FC gamma receptor impact. You've got the cytokines, the T cell responses. You've got, you know, IgG links with autoimmune diseases, you know. And when you put that in a big picture, <laughs> we're just talking about one little bit of a jigsaw, you know, from, from all of that. So it's, um, you know, it's that isn't black and white either. The immune system isn't black and white.
0: And I think, Sarah, something we were talking about off-air as well, because York Test has been around for such a long time and, and developed stuff, then what was happening maybe 10, 15 years ago could be a different you know what's been perfected and changed now. Because Sarah does yeah. say interesting. Um, I think York Test has moved on loads since I did it. We mentioned this a little bit off-air because um, IGG testing has been criticised in the past, but you, I wonder if you could summarise again this whole blocking thing you mentioned which York test does and other places don't do yeah,
1: yeah. so if if you think I'm, I'm just I'm really interested in I'll answer that but I'm really interested in what Sarah's just said about that hypnotherapy app actually oh, yeah. because there's a lot of evidence that um gut directed hypnotherapy is beneficial alongside IgG testing and for low FODMAP for IBS and I think that's something that that's that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Sarah. You're
0: going to have to expand now on what gut-directed hypnotherapy is so <laughs> in the image, and I don't think that's what it is.
1: Yeah, I think uh, hypnotherapy um, is obviously, um, hypnotherapy in terms of a, a function it mm-hmm. is able to help people with IBS, Um so it, it's, you know, you might be visualizing that your gut is, um, like a river and it's flowing better or it's, you know, and I, and I'm not an expert in this, so I really don't know, mm-hmm. but it, there are ways of like using meditation and hypnotherapy to actually help your gut function because in the end, your gut is your second brain, <laughs> you know, the, okay. the sort of interactions that are going on, there's more, is more, uh, you know, flow of nerves from your gut to the brain and your brain to the gut, and so it, it really is, uh, you know, there is so many links there, and I think, you know, that can be something that can be helpful, alongside, you know, used alongside the the IgG guided elimination diet, particularly.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. That's interesting coming from you because you're such an evidence based kind of professional, and that, I would have been very quick it. with my over cynical attitude to go hit the therapy, <laughs> but there is links, isn't there? A lot. Between, like you say, IBS and the level of stress in the body and the chemicals that are released yeah. and all this sort of stuff. So yeah. if you're hitting it through hypnotherapy, that would make sense.
1: Yeah, there are. And, you know, I think that that's, as I say, that's another tool, you know, alongside the IgG elimination diet, um, for, for people with IBS. And I think you, you, you need to use a few of those tools, I think, to get to the bottom of things. Um, you talked about our testing and mm. yeah, I mean, we're, we're really proud of our laboratory and, you know, we use um, an, an ELISA-based method, which is an enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay. So it's a it's a standard sort of technology that is used widely in hospitals um, to measure things in blood. You know, things like uh, proteins and and antibodies and infectious diseases and things like that. But um, I think what we do is um, when we designed the test, obviously that was back in 1998, we we manufacture it now. We wanted to make sure that we were, weren't over recording results and reporting things that were, um, you know, false positives. So we kind of use a proprietary blocker in our system. I can talk through the method if we've got time. I'm very mindful of time actually, but, uh, we, you know, we've got a few slides up, you know, I think mm. if we go up, um, I re- yeah, so if you go back, back a back, few, back, back. um, yeah. So just to the next one, actually, this one here. So if we look at this slide here, um, the next one after that. Next one. Sorry, the uh, two the, the before, that yeah. one. That's it.
0: That's that one? Okay, I'll bring it yeah, up on the full it. screen. Again, if yes. you watch this podcast, then obviously we're conscious you can't see the slides, but this is where wow. you go to YouTube, where all the videos are there for everyone on YouTube. So if you're interested in the topic, then you can see the slide, which Dr Hart will be talking about.
1: Yeah. There we go. So essentially... In each little well that we, we, each little well we coat with uh, a different uh, high quality food, uh, um, stuff which is, is blocked very clearly so to avoid false positive results. So when your actual blood sample comes into the laboratory on a little stick, on a little wand, um, that is centrifuged down into a, into a, a liquid diluent, um, we manufacture, um, our, our tests ourselves and the actual testing process takes about two and a half hours so in, in each of the little dishes which i'll show you the 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 wells of um 96 little dishes in a moment um, you can see that the the blue circles at the bottom are say for example cow's milk um, then we come in with our sample and our blood sample you can see the the little pink claw on top of the blue circle that's uh the, i always think of an antibody as being like a claw it's Grabbing onto that that cow's milk proteins. Um, if we've got if you've got those antibodies, those IgG antibodies in your blood, then that will capture onto the cow's milk uh, protein. And then we come in with a, a, a linking reagent and um, a substrate. And if the all this link comes together, then we get a colour change in the little well. And if you look at the next slide uh we can see the the ninety six wells and all the little dishes have uh, got different foodstuffs um dried down, and we use this blocking agent to actually um prevent non specific binding and um reduce uh, to eliminate false positive results so you can see here we've got calibrators in the first column a b c d those are our positive or well, negative low positive high positive and blank um calibrators and quality controls that have to pass specification before we release the results from the laboratory and then we actually measure the degree of yellow color in each of these little wells um, using a spectrophotometer. it's a machine that measures automatically the degree of yellow color in each one and then we actually scale that up and the next slide just shows them an example results i believe if you just have a look at that, then we actually put put everything on a scale. Each particular food we put on a scale of naught to a hundred. Um, you can see this individual's got like hazelnut of uh, twenty seven, um, sheep's milk, wheat, and 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 then you know you can actually look and see uh, which are high reactivity, so the ones in red, which are borderline, the ones in amber, and then the ones that have got normal reactivity. So it's really clear and helpful for you to be able to prioritize or your practitioner to prioritize um what uh, what to remove from your diet
0: i'm gonna have to do this on i it's the problem with having such great guests <laughs> i end up having sleep studies for six weeks now doing all sorts of things but it's, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating you know i love it because i am a, a cynical person through the things i've seen come and go in the health and fitness industry but you know it's lovely having a chance to speak to a scientific director and looking at the science behind it um because it just paints a totally different picture than uh, the impression I must admit I did have erroneously about um a lot of when it comes to food intolerance tests it's very yeah it's very exciting yeah. great stuff yeah. so let's talk briefly then we are, we are finishing um unfortunately because time's coming up but um if I can just get rid of that, if um people listening to this podcast working with people who they suspect um, would benefit from a conversation with you guys. how? What should be the port of call? Where should they direct you? Or where should they direct their clients, sorry? And what would the clients expect when they do contact you? Let's bring up a little um, shot of the York Test again, for example. So I guess you'd direct them towards the web page, would you?
1: Yeah, we, you'd either direct towards our web page, which was, is yorktest.com. But yep. really, I mean, oh. come and talk to us. We've got a really great friendly team. Um, and I think on the last slide of, of my, the slides I provided, we've got the details there, which you can put up. Uh, Okay. So if you call us, and we've got a great friendly team headed up by Gemma, you know, um, who will direct you as practitioners to, you know, our fantastic practitioner wellness hub where you can access, uh, you know, can order tests, you can access results for your clients. You can, you know, um, find out lots of resources as well, lots of uh, guidebooks and information as well. So um, as a practitioner, so you, you can, as I say, you can look at our website on yorktest.com. You can call our dedicated uh, account team or, you know, our, our general account team uh, on 01904 410 410 or email client.support at yorktest.com. If you've got any further questions for me, I'm really happy to be contacted too um, on jill.heart at yorktest.com. I think, you know, from a practitioner point of view, we're really proud of the support that we provide. We can provide shipment of, of blood collection kits directly because it's all all accessible. It's all fingerprint blood tests. it's We can um, arrange shipment of the blood collection kits directly to your clients. We've got the, the wellness hub. Uh, we also offer a different branding so we can offer bespoke branding to to your individual practice too if, if that's what you're interested in or or unbranded or York just branded too so we've got lots of different ways of working together with practitioners um, to help support their, their businesses too
0: amazing and is there um maybe some literature that can be downloaded or something to have in the clinic that could be on walls for you know that's such a powerful way of doing it isn't it when people are waiting in the waiting room and reading something yeah,
1: we've like got some great resources we've got some great leaflets um brochures information etc and all that can be um, accessed through the team at york test and through the practitioner wellness hub which has been a great uh, addition to to our business to help support practitioners
0: amazing that's a, um mm. uh, i feel bad doing this but glenn murphy is coming and said excuse the pun but food for thought <laughs> eh? thanks glenn uh, yeah you've got a habit of doing that haven't you but no definitely food for thought um thank you so much um thank you, Dr. Jill thank Hart you for giving you your time really enlightening yes. really interesting yeah
1: thank um, you so much for inviting me and thank you for all the great questions and uh, uh, you know re- really interesting conversation we've had today really enjoyed it thank you
0: appreciate it so um don't go any go don't go away anywhere um jill if you can i'm just going to sign off people from the lounge and then i'll just thank you briefly for a couple of minutes um before we go our separate ways of the evening um thanks for joining us people um people who are joining us live thanks as always it's so nice to have people joining us live because we live in a world where it's all very on demand and tv's on demand and all that so it's great to see really appreciate people giving up their time to join us and share their experiences as well thank you um sarah and other people Catherine, everybody who shared their experiences it is your personal information so it's really nice of you to share it in these discussions which are downloaded about nearly two and a half thousand times once they go as a podcast um so thanks for sharing that with everybody um next week is the final part of our focus on nutrition now News flash next week. It's going to be on Monday at 7 p.m. Okay, so not a Tuesday at eight o'clock. It's very rare we do this. But on Tuesday, I will be on a boat on the way to Amsterdam um, just to get my regular shipment. No, not at all. Just to go and experience a nice cruise, apparently with my parents and family. And then we're going to have a couple of days in Amsterdam. So because of that, Monday next week, if you want to join us live, Monday at seven o'clock. It'd be quite interesting to see whether that gets more or less people. It's a more convenient time. Um, and we're going to be joined by special guest Catherine Stewart, who's a registered dietitian with a Masters in Sports Nutrition. You may know her if you are familiar with The Athletic Female, uh, the great team of Gwania Donnelly, Emma Brockwell and Helen McElroy Be on the show before. Um, Catherine Stewart has worked with them, uh, providing uh, guest speaks um, and all sorts of information. Um, wonderful person to follow, even greater username. At edible underscore evidence. Edible evidence. What a great. I wish I'd got that. Amazing. Um, so you can catch up with Catherine at edible underscore evidence on Twitter and Facebook if you want a little pre read on what Catherine's all about. Um, but that'll be next Monday at 7 p.m. So do join us then. Adverts will go out and the podcast for this episode will be uploaded in the next couple of days. So once again, thank you to my guest, Dr. Jill Hart um, from the York Test Laboratories. Hope this has been enjoyable, people and uh if i don't see you next monday then um uh do please go to the podcast and leave a little review leave a rating because it helps the great information from our guests get out to a wide audience which is what it's all about all right take care people and speak to you soon you're listening to the sports therapy association podcast putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.